Um, I'm Tia Pugh. I live in West Des Moines, Iowa. And, and a lot of times I think when we as youth leaders and people who do ministry, we get together, it, it's like, well, let me tell you all these great things I've been doing. Um, I don't want this space to be that for us. I want it to be a place where we can talk about how ministry is difficult. I'll raise your hand if you are a volunteer youth ministry person. Like you have a day job, right? You have other things to do and you showed up here to this nonsense. Like, like I, you rock. You are amazing people. Like, you're probably a little unhinged. Um, there's probably something deeply wrong with you. Um, but I'm so glad that there is. I'm so glad that you're here, that you answer the call to come to this crazy place, whether you're a professional in ministry or not. Um, I'm, just, I'm just thankful that you are here. And I want to be able to encourage you and offer you a couple of tools. And the tools are basically going to be the things I've learned that I did horribly wrong. It's going to be like a cautionary tale of my failures in youth ministry, um, <laughs> which you're laughing about. But um, All right, so uh, here's a picture of me at the 2003 youth gathering with some kids who are all adults now and have children. And they are okay people. Like, they're okay. And I think they all love Jesus, and their kids love Jesus. So, like... That's like a one high five, and that has absolutely 100% nothing to do with me, because um, I was like young in this picture, and I have a necktie around my head. That's what you're looking at. Um, that year, we gave kids a penny at the beginning of the week. I don't know if you've ever played this game. It's only fun if you like hauling junk around, but we gave everyone a penny at the beginning of the week, and we said, trade it for something. And at the end of the week, we will vote on who traded for the best stuff. So they would, like, trade a penny for, like, a sock, and then they would trade a sock for, like, a... By the end of the week, we were carrying around a life-size cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger and an inflatable kiddie pool. It was, yes, except for we had to carry all that stuff around. And we, at the time, we lived in Alaska. Um, so I'll tell you that part of my story. And we had to, they were like, can we take it on the plane? I was like, No. No, we will be recycling Arnold. Thank you very much. Um, I know, very heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so I did youth ministry in Alaska, in Fairbanks, Alaska, for nine years. And, um, and I, I started there as an, a DCE intern. I'm trained as a DCE. Um, and then since then, I have been home with kids, doing that kind of crazy life. And now I'm a part-time art teacher at a Lutheran school. So like, you know, weird. I love junior high students right now. They're, they're my jam. I've, I didn't used to like junior high students. Like when I was doing high school youth ministry, I was like, ew, junior high. And now, like, now that I've like sunk into it, junior high students are like my tribe. Like I am internally in seventh grade, I think. I, like I didn't want to admit that at first, but now I'm like, yes. Like the awkwardness and the like inability to filter what you're saying. 100%. So, um, so I did some youth ministry, and I did. I was in it to win it. I w it was my job. Um, so I was like retreats and lock-ins and chubby bunny, and I played all those games that everyone hates. Like we call them icebreakers, but everyone hates that part. Even super, and I'm pretty extroverted. Uh, even super extroverts are like, "Ugh, you're making me do this stupid thing where I have to like sit on someone's lap and touch someone and feel uncomfortable, or like whatever." The, whatever. I did all that stuff. I organized small groups. I, like, I, was, I was trying all the things. And for a long time, the focus was totally on building relationships with students. 
You know, like we've got to get into their lives and we've got to, and I think that still is, we're still doing that. And I think that we as youth ministry people are pretty good at that. You know, like we know that it's not just Sunday morning, it's not just Wednesday night, it's not just in the walls of our church that we build relationships with students, but we're like texting them and I don't do all the things, so whatever. Um, but we're doing that, we're engaging them in social media, we're engaging them in, in at home, we're doing all the things, we're going to their games or their, their performances, like we're invested in their lives. And that's good stuff. Relationship building with students is really good stuff. But today I wanna to talk a little bit more about how we engage parents in youth ministry because I think it's hard. For me, it was super hard. Um, I, when I was doing youth ministry full time, um, I was really focused on relationship building with students and I had no idea how to talk to parents other than like communicating basic things that were on the schedule or specific things about like, please don't wear that tiny bikini to the youth gathering, um, like things like that. I was good at that, the logistics, but the relationship building with parents, I, I entirely miss that. And looking back, I think of the ways our youth ministry could have grown had I really capitalized on that avenue of relationship building with, with, our, with my parents so that they could then continue to influence their students' lives, their children's lives. And we're gonna talk about that. But first thing I wanna talk about, I guess, is a vocabulary thing. Um, when we were doing youth ministry, we even called our Wednesday night program impact. And I've even seen t-shirts like where people are calling their youth ministry impact. And we use that word a lot in youth ministry. And I totally stole this from like an online article, but I thought it was so good that I'm, so you could Google search it and talk about this too. But I love this vocabulary. Um, when you impact, something, it's like a lake, like a quiet lake, and then you throw a stone, and that creates an impact in the surface of the water, right? And it creates ripples that go out. Um, and that's, this is gonna keep clicking, don't worry. Um, and, and it creates these ripples that impact, like change grows from this small point, you know, and then all this change goes out. But what happens after like 38 seconds? It's calm again, like, like the impact happened and then it spread out. So for us to have sustained change in the lives of our students where they are continuing to grow in the name of Jesus and grow in their faith, um, we have to keep chucking rocks, right? Like over and over again. And I don't know about you, but like my arm gets tired. And, and you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm still chucking these rocks and I'm still trying and it, it's exhausting for us and, and, and I, I would like to say that I probably burned out hard in youth ministry because I was just chucking rocks. Um, and so for us to be people who are wise about how we care for students, um, I think we can think about it a little differently. So I like this analogy, and I like the word influence. We are people who influence the lives of our students. Impact's great, and maybe this doesn't matter that much, but it's, it changes the way I think about youth ministry. Um, and I want us to think about it instead of like a calm lake, because we all know that our students' lives are not calm and serene, and you know, they've got some things going on. Uh, but I want us to think about it more like a river, and, and we want to influence the path that the river is going. We want the spirit to work through us, through all kinds of different people and events in the lives of our students so that they will continue to grow in faith, 
right? Um, so to change the course of, of the path of a, of a river or even a little stream, um, it takes more than one rock, right? It takes pebbles and dirt and sticks and fallen trees maybe. Um, it takes boulders. It, it takes all kinds of things to really uh, move the, the flow of the river over time. It also takes time, I think unless something big and catastrophic happens, which we've seen you know, in the lives of our kids. Like sometimes big change happens because something big happens. Uh, but the thing that's so interesting is there's all kinds of research out there about how families are changing, right? Family, we hear that all the time. Families are different than they used to be. Um, I think that's like in the church especially, it's not how it used to be. We can't do youth ministry the way that we used to. Uh, families are different. Marriages are different. The way kids communicate are different than it was even five years ago. However, the thing that has not changed and that research is finding is that family still has the greatest influence in students' lives. 100%. Like they have just the greatest. So if we're talking about changing the way that the river flows in a student's life, you know, um, parents are still the largest rocks. They're, they're still the biggest influ influencers. They're still the ones who are going to have this large amount of influence in the lives of the students. So it's not about us, which is kind of deflating and also so, like, it's relief for me. Like, it's not about how many, like, moments and opportunities I chuck into their lives and, and then I'm tired and exhausted. It's about, um, like, me standing strong in the life of a student along with their parents. So I want us to think about that, that if we're going to change the way this river flows, we are going to get in the water and we're going to stand with those parents and, and all the other people who are influencers in the life of those students. Um, because some parents are going to need extra help. You know, I know that you, many of you are like, I've got these parents who are like, they don't even really, they're, like they're not, maybe not believers. Maybe they're not in this, you know? And, and that, that does not mean that we jump over our par the parents so that we can influence. Uh, there are still opportunities for us to, uh, to partner with parents as they are, are people who love their kids. Um, so I want us to take a look at this verse um, from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three, it says, for this reason, this is a prayer, um, and, and I want us to think about it this way. Um, I want us to think about it as, as what do we want for our students? What, what, is the, what is the goal here? What are the good things that we as people who love them and care for them, what do we want for them? So this says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches, riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So if that, 
I don't know about you, but this is what I want for students that I come in contact. I want them to, I want Christ to dwell in their hearts, to live there, to make a permanent space in their hearts. I want them to know the fullness of God, the geometry of God. That's kind of what that is, right? Height, depth, breadth, width, all that stuff, all of it. I don't want them to know just like, a week of youth gathering God's love. I want them to know a full life with God. I want them to know all the nooks and crannies of God's love, which is big and endless and awesome and amazing. And I want them to know that. And I believe that you probably do too. Like we are here, we have sacrificed some time in our lives and a lot of energy and we're tired and our feet probably hurt. Um, But think of this, how much more do their parents love them? And, and even if their parents are not um, believers, if their parents are not particularly, particularly um, spiritually mature, if you read this to them and asked them, do you want this? Do you want this for your student? I, mean, I don't know who would say no, unless people are like totally uh, against, you know, uh, uh, fighting it. Um, but because we are so invested and we have to believe that parents want that more. And, and can we meet parents wherever they are in their faith walk for the sake of their students? Um, if the impact that parents have is, is great, bigger than we can have, um, potentially, uh, maybe that's not happening right now, but it could be. We know that if parents grow in faith, the, the impact that they can have on their students' lives is, is, is a lot bigger than what we could have at our best, I think. Um, and so um, I think we start there, that, that we have to, to give it to the parents that, that they love them more. Jesus loves them even more than those parents. Um, and we're just a player in this. I know that when I was doing youth ministry, I was like, I've got to make those relationships. Or our youth ministry leaders, we've got to, we've got to be the people. Um, and, and I think I, I missed the boat when it came to parents and, and really connecting with them, um, which I think it could have been so much bigger. And so that's one of the things. Uh, in uh, 2015, the Search Institute did a study called uh, Don't Forget the Parents. And so what they found is that over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, youth organizations, not just in the church, but secular organizations, any, any services that, that um, connect with students, high school students, junior high students, um, they're doing a really great job of connecting with the students. Like it's all student focused. Like how can we build relationships, all the good things for students. But what they found is that they were forgetting the connections with families. And this included schools, that parents were just not really wanting to volunteer at school or in anything really that kids were involved in. Um, Because in their research, what they found is the organizations were making assumptions about parents, like uh, parents are, like families are just dysfunctional. Like, like I'm gonna assume that they, like these families aren't exactly doing it right. Uh, so even the way organizations were thinking about um, parents and the assumptions that they were having about parents was kind of negative. And I found that I have similar assumptions. Like when I would start youth ministry, when I, at the beginning of the year, I would always have this big like parent night which I thought was a way for me to like connect with parents, but really what it was, it was an opportunity for me to get parents to sign up for stuff that I didn't want to do throughout the year. Like it was like, please will you bring brownies to this event? Please will you do this? Please will you make sure that you chaperone this event? We have all these events planned and we'd love for you to be involved. But what the Search Institute uh, study was saying is that 
those were not, those kind of ways to connect, it's like you can give your input, but it's not really a meaningful connection. And so those meaningful connections where parents feel listened to and where they feel like they have real input, not just the ability to sign up on a page, uh, they were, they're saying that, that those were reasons that parents would not get um, volunteer or be involved in youth ministry, which I thought was, or youth ministry or youth organization stuff. It was secular and church stuff. Um, so that's something that I think for me, I've really been thinking about. I've been thinking about the ways that I have asked parents to be connected to youth ministry in the past. Um, and were those really authentic ways? Uh, for me, I, I'm not sure if they were. Um, I looked up, uh, like I Google searched parent involvement in youth ministry. So you can do this too. You have all the tools you need. Um, and if you, <laughs> and if you do, you'll get like all these articles that are like four ways to get parents to volunteer in your youth ministry, six ways to get parents to sign up for, uh, 172 ways for parents to do whatever. I wonder, and, and it was all that language of, of let's get parents to blank whatever it is. Let's get parents to, let's make parents, let's, whatever it was. And I just, I wonder if maybe that's not the right way to come about this. Maybe we should stop trying to get parents to do things. Ugh. Like, but that feels weird because we still want to have youth ministry events and we need them to be together with us, right? Uh, but, but maybe it's the way we think about it, that we're not just trying, like, I have this thing that I want to do. Can I get you to be a part of this? Uh, maybe we can flip that around and, and think of it differently. Um, I know parents don't all come to us in ways where they are, like, spiritually mature, ready to go. Like they, you know, sometimes they, you don't meet them. I have, I teach junior high Sunday school right now and I have a new class of seventh grade students coming in and that's also connected to our confirmation stuff and all that. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, like I've never met some of the families and it's not because of them, I don't think, but some of them I know, like they're, they're not people I bump into. Um, so, so we have those, where there are not natural connections for us to meet and be with those parents. Um, and I know for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like push that and make that happen this year for my class. Um, so I've got a couple of suggestions for us. I did, um, I was trained as a parent coach, uh, which has been really amazing and wonderful and just really good in ministry. I don't wanna ever be a, like a parent coach that has people like make appointments. That's not ever gonna happen. But it's been such a great tool um, for me in ministry because it just helps me to listen better. Like I know how to listen a lot better. And for someone who is extroverted and an out loud processor and who likes to talk and is maybe a little bit of a narcissist, um, it's really good to learn like how to listen to people. So a couple of my suggestions for you, um, for all of us, as we want to make authentic connections with parents, um, is number one is assume the best. If we assume that parents are the people who God has, like God has knit together these families. God picked this parent, these kids, these families are built together. God is in that. Um, and if we assume that, that they know their children the best, um, I think that automatically makes us want to partner with them. For me, it does. Like if I want to influence my friend Sydney, who's in seventh grade, uh, my go-to person to talk to is gonna be mom and dad. 
because mom and dad know her, know her way better than me. Uh, they know all the ways that she ticks and that she works and that she, the things she likes and the things she struggles with. And how, much, how awesome would it be if I connect with those parents and talk about their kids? Because I don't know how many parents are in this room, but I love talking about my kids. I love it. Like if, if someone asks me about my kids or if someone notices something about my kid, like, oh, I thought he's really smart or he's really compassionate. Someone said that about my son, who I think can be a total jerk. He's 10. Um, he can be a total jerk. And someone was like, he's so sensitive and compassionate. And literally, I, you know, like people say nice things about your kids and you're like, really? Like my kid, that one right there? But like, this was something that I had never thought of about him, and it changed the way I think about my son. And then I'm like, oh, that's why he does that. So it took some outsider. So how awesome would it be for us to have conversations with parents about students when we're assuming that mom and dad are the boss or whoever is the, the, the people who love those kids and take care of those kids, and then also get to tell them, like, I noticed this about Joey. Like, he's really a leader or he's really and not just negative stuff like he talks all the time and he's like he never shuts up and could you make him be nicer no 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 i mean like the good stuff when can we share the good stuff with parents because that 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 brings things to life that strengthens those parent relationships there's good stuff there our number 2 is listen um listening and not in the way, I always thought that my beginning of the year, like parent night, where like I was like, this is what we're going to do all year. Tell me what you think. Like, I think I thought that was listening. Like that that was, like I'm hearing what you have to say about this thing that I just told you we're going to do. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like I thought that, I thought, I think in my mind that was pretty authentic. And, and hear me, because I know some of you are like, but, my parents have a lot to say, and I don't want to do all the things that they have to say because, because they might not get the whole picture of youth ministry. You know, they might say, I just want more lock-ins, all the lock-ins. We want all, like, mm-mm, nope, nope. You know, so, so I think listening does not mean that you have to do everything. I think I was afraid to, like, open up those conversations because I was like, yeah, but I think I know what you're going to say, and I don't want to do that. It does not mean we have to do everything that parents say or suggest, but we can have a conversation. We can talk about it. We can, like, it, become, it becomes a two-way street when we open those doors where we can say, but this is why I don't think a lock-in once a month is a great way to do youth ministry, or, or whatever your thing is. I'm so anti-lock-in that, mm-mm, this girl needs to sleep. Um, and, and so do they. Like, we send kids back home like a wreck. They're like a wreck for like three days after a lock-in. Okay, sorry, that was a soapbox. I'm, I'm done now. Um, stepping down. Okay, so listen, 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 listen. This is really to myself. You're just coincidentally all in this room. Um, so listen, be authentic in the ways that you listen. My goal for this year, which I've never done before, which is really disgusting, um, I'm going to take out all my 7th and 8th grade family, parents this year for coffee. Not at once. But I'm going to make an appointment. Or not coffee or whatever. I'm going to make an appointment with them because I want to sit down and talk about their kids. And I want to build relationships with those parents. Um, and I've never done that super, super intentionally. It sometimes happens. But um, that's something I really want to do. I really want to get with those parents and talk... Talk just about their kids. I don't want to tell them what we're doing. I don't want to, like, I'm not there to, like, give them a showcase. I just want to say, tell me about your student. Tell me about Sydney. Tell me about 
whoever, tell me what they like and what they don't like and what they're excited about. Do they want to be here? Do they not want to be here? What do you think? I'm going to just listen and maybe ask some questions because I, because I, I know I need to be better about that. All right, um, build up strengths. This, is a, this comes from coaching. Um, if, if parents, if our goal is to build up their relationships, not only between us and parents, but parents and students, um, parents can be better parents when they know where they are strong. I think that's true of all of us in like all of areas of our life. Uh, like if your boss like builds you up and says like these are all the things you're good at, you're going to be like sweet. I'll keep doing those things. Um, but if you think of it as you know that when you build up strengths, you're you're putting stones under their feet. You're like literally lifting them up. Uh, when you're when you're standing on something that's elevated, you have a different perspective. You can think about things differently. You can look at things differently. Uh, when you when you've been built up, it can really change the way you look at things. So for us to minister to those parents, it's super easy for us. We get to just notice, which probably comes from because we've been listening and paying attention, um, that we we share with them what. The, their strengths are what their what their family has going on that's good. I noticed this. You guys are here all the time. You show up like that's an awesome strength. Or I noticed that you have this really great way of relating to your son or your daughter. I've noticed the way you talk to each other is really cool. Or your daughter is so you know whatever whatever the things are. I think that starting from any kind of area of strength is really going to help parents just do their jobs better and know that you are on their team. And then I feel like I've said, like, yes. Um, relationship, we're so good at relationships with students. Um, and I'm sure many of you are already really good at relationship stuff with your parents. Um, but I know that I wasn't, and I totally just like, pfft. like I, I probably would have said it was fine. Um, but but I, I wonder if we could be even more intentional about those relationships. Um, rather than just like seeing each other and, and you know, knowing who each other is, but really um, really offering yourself as a team player on, on their team. Um, and that's the last thing I wanna, I wanna say is, instead of uh, trying to get parents on our team, I feel like that's what I spent a lot of my energy. I was like, it's so hard to get parents on my team for the, in the name of Jesus, you know? Like I want parents to be with me so that I can, so we can all tell them about, maybe we could offer ourselves as a team player. Like, we are on your team. I'm on your team. I'm not trying to get you on my team. I'm on your team. How can I love you? How can I help your family to grow? Because you're the boss here, um, and I'm just here to help. So I wonder if that's the way, the way we can approach this, that's the way we can have the, the space where we can have our hearts for that. Um, which I, you know, is I think where we're all headed, but I know I need it constantly before me. Um, I'm gonna pray for you. God, I thank you for hearts that are willing. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for these people who, um, they've, I'm sure they're like, whatever, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal because you are taking these moments of exhaustion and these moments of, of just regular living life together here at this gathering, and you're making them, um, you're solidifying these moments into something that really influences the lives of these students. And I just pray that uh, you'll give us rest and recovery, God, that you will 
encourage all of these leaders who are here to continue to do your good work, which is, is loving these kids and loving their families. God, I pray that we would see the bigger picture, that you would just give us eyes to see all the ways that you're working, even in families that are struggling. God, I pray that we could just be grace and love and mercy for their lives. Uh, be with us as we go and refresh us in any way we need refreshing, God. Just help us do this good stuff. In your name we pray. Amen.